0: Thank you for downloading and listening to the Berean Bible Church Sunday morning podcast. Berean Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we open your word, it is our, it's our desire, Lord, to hear your word. And may our hearts continue to worship as we have worshipped in song and in sharing today. Uh, May we continue to worship you, Lord, as we consider your word. You alone are worthy. And we thank you that we can be called by your name today. And so bless these next few moments together in Christ's name. Amen. If you open your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 2, uh, we have been studying the uh, lessons from the life of Elijah. And we will be uh, wrapping this up here after missions conference in a couple of weeks. And um, as we do so, I just want to remind you that uh, we follow the uh, instructions of the Apostle Paul in our church when he says that all Scripture is given by God and is profitable. It is profitable for correction, reproof, for admonishment, for training in righteousness. And as we preach from the Old Testament and uh, as the Apostle Paul I use the Old Testament in his preaching, as our Lord used the Old Testament, as all the apostles did. And the one thing I really enjoy uh, in the Old Testament, uh, and I enjoy sharing with you, and I enjoy studying myself throughout the week, is we really get to, in the Old Testament, we really get an insight uh, into, into people's lives and, and how, they, how human they were and how they responded to God and how good God was to them. And, and we see God's graciousness and kindness even in, in, in times of rebellion and sin, as we've seen with, with Ahab and Jezebel and with Elijah. And yet we see God extending his hand and God reaching out to his people and God always having a remnant, a group of believers in him who are faithful to him. And I really enjoy, uh, there are certain principles of, of God and humanity that run across the dispensations, across the ages in the Bible, that we can relate to. And this is why we preach and teach from the Old Testament, why the Apostle Paul said it's profitable for us to do this. And as I bring to you a lesson today from 2 Kings chapter 2, um, you know, it's one of these lessons where I I thought about, you know, what I'm presenting to you and how to apply this to our lives and what truths we can gather from this. I want you to take home with you every time we come together. Something that you learn from God's word. Our focus during our sermon time is the Word of God, and also things that you can relate to that help you in your in your daily walk. And this particular passage is all I can say is there's just there is so much that is so real about our human experience that we can relate to that really it touched my heart as I as I considered this again and prepared this lesson from Second Kings chapter two. You'll notice our title this morning is Chariots of Fire. And uh, Trainer graciously offered to, to play some background music as I began the sermon this morning. But I decided not to do that. I didn't want to sound kind of hokey, you know. Um, but uh, 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 1. We, we've been studying Elijah. And last week we considered um, Elisha. who was called called by Elijah to become his uh, student, his disciple, his son in the faith, if you will. And and he he traveled with Elijah. He ministered with him. And it says in verse 1, When the Lord was about to take up Elijah, when the Lord was about to take up Elijah to heaven in a whirlwind. And, um, uh, is it, this is going to be the focus of this story, is Elijah's departure. And we're going to see in this lesson that uh, God had revealed this. Not only was it about to happen, and we kind of know how the story goes, at least if you've read it, and if not, you'll read it this morning. We know how it is sort of looking backwards. But evidently, as we, as we see in this lesson, God had revealed he was about to remove Elijah He was about to remove Elijah. Elijah was a powerful prophet in the north. He had had spoken for God. He had done great things. God had begun this uh, time of miracles. And as I've mentioned to you, this is one of three times in the scriptures where we see this explosion of miracles, if you will. Moses, Elijah, Elisha, and the time of Jesus and the apostles. Where God is really trying to get the attention of his people and say, listen, I am speaking. I am working. Uh, It's decision time. And we've seen this with Elijah. And it says that when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah says to Elisha, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. Elijah is going to be taken. And I think it's been revealed to Elijah Because we'll see in the next few verses it's been revealed to actually quite a few prophets that it's it's time for Elijah to go. And they are retracing really the steps of Israel's entrance into the land. If you remember, uh, when Israel came into the promised land, they came from Egypt, from Sinai. They came up north. They went on the east side of the Jordan River. And they came up and they crossed from the east into the west and crossed the Jordan River across today. It was called the West Bank. And they crossed into the land of Canaan. And then from there they conquered the central south and the north part of Palestine, of Canaan, the Holy Land, Israel, all the different names for it. And they are retracing the steps backwards. They are going from interior of Palestine, of Israel, And they are going back the exact same way, but they are heading east, retracing the steps of how Israel and Joshua brought the children of Israel into the land. And their their point of, of departure where Elijah is taken is going to be near the area where Moses was taken by God and buried when he died. And so Elijah says to Elisha, Elisha, stay here. What he's saying is, you stay here, I am leaving you. And they knew what that meant. Elisha knew what this meant. This meant Elijah was going. And I want you just to, to stop and enter into as much as possible. You know, I asked you last week if you would take some time and read the remainder of 1 Kings and the first chapter of 2 Kings. Um, there are many more lessons we could have covered in that section, but we're not. But I just want you to enter into and remember that, that these, these two men, an older and a younger, Elijah and Elisha, they had formed a very deep relationship. This was not just student and pupil. This was father and son. We will see this. These men had spent time together. We don't know how much exactly, but a lot of time together. Elijah had poured his life into Elisha. And they had all sorts of time as they traveled, as they worked, and as he taught him, and as, he, as they shared around the campfire at night. As they, as they traveled and they shared about God's work and how what God is doing and how powerful, how much He loved His people. And they shared their tears, I'm sure, over their people who were worshiping Baal when, when they had the God of the universe who loved them and cared for them. And their people kept worshiping Baal. Maybe even their own family members, most likely. People that they loved. And I'm sure they shared tears together. They shared meals together. They traveled together. They discussed and they, and, and they became so close, and it was a father and a son. And the day has come that the father is going to be gone. And Elijah says to him, Elisha, I want you to stay here. God has sent me to Beth El. Beth uh, in the Hebrew, Ba'ith, means house, and El is God. That city was named as the house of God. It's a very important city in the story of the patriarchs, in Israel's history. And he says, stay here, I, I'm I'm going. And you notice what Elisha says to him. Elisha says, As surely as the Lord lives and you live, I will not leave you. I will not. Elijah, I am not going to leave you. I'm going with you. I'm going to be with you to the last minute. You know, our lives at the airports have changed over the last uh, decades. But I'm old enough to remember a time when uh, you could walk down to the airport. And say goodbye to somebody and stand there in the window and watch the airplane leave. Some of you remember that, those days? <laughs> okay. And, uh, you know, uh, I can remember heading off to college, 19, uh, whatever it was. <laughs> Sometime after the Civil War and World War Two, <laughs> 1972. January of 1972. And I remember, um, and I, I, I can remember leaving my home because my mom, who my father died, of course, when I was quite a bit younger, and my brother, and my, I'm the youngest, I'm the baby, uh, you never would have guessed that, but I'm the baby of the family. And um, so I, my mom and I lived there, and I just, I remember uh, leaving the house with my trunk, my red, white, and blue <laughs> trunk that I bought at probably Fred Myers or Chubby Tubby or something. And uh, I remember leaving the house and saying goodbye, and someone drove me to the airport, and... Uh, saying goodbye to her. and She was all alone. That was it. She was in the house alone. There was a certain emotion and nostalgia, you know, about leaving home and saying goodbye. And, you know, as, as I think about this lesson, and this is why I'm saying this is so much humanity. There's so much of our of the reality of our life in this story here. That, you know, my life has been a series of saying goodbyes and saying hellos. You know, I was married right here in 1974, probably up here, uh, 1974. And I uh, said goodbye as, as, a, as a son, in a sense, of taking on a new family with Teresa. And we began our family. Uh, we had to say goodbye. And uh, when I finished SPU, and went back to Minneapolis and moved our family away with a one-year-old child from her grandparents. And I remember Teresa saying, why, why, do we, why are we the ones that always have to move? You know, my sisters, everybody else gets to stay here. And uh, back to Minneapolis. And I remember saying goodbye to Minneapolis after six, five and a half, six years of dear, dear friends coming back here. Saying goodbye to my kids, dedicating my children here, saying goodbye, marrying them, and sending them off. Um, my mother's funeral, uh, you know, burying my mom here. My life is, in our lives, has been a series of goodbyes and hellos, right? Your life, too, has been a series of goodbyes and hellos. And some of you uh, seniors here, um, you're going to be saying goodbye, and, and, and your parents are going to have to say goodbye and uh, hello and back. And this is our life. And Elijah's, Elisha just wants to drag this out. He just wants to drag. You ever had that feeling? You know you've got to say goodbye, but you're going to wait till the last minute. You're going to stand there at the window and watch that airplane leave until it disappears and you can no longer see it. Or the train, or the bus, or the car, or whatever it is. And Elisha, Elisha says, no, I am not going to leave you. I'm going with you. And so, and, so, and so they went down to Bethel. And look at this. The company of the prophets, there was this was evidently a school of prophets that I think Elijah had taught these men. He had taught them. He had discipled this group. And we'll see two, two schools, two companies of prophets in this passage here. And the companies of prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and look what they said to him. Do you not know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? I mean, they, God had somehow revealed it to these prophets. They were prophets. And God, and God had revealed it to these prophets. And they say, Elisha, what are you doing here? Don't you know that God's going to take Elijah from you today? Um, you know, they could have been nicer about it, you know. I mean, this is like so blunt. They so, what are you doing here? Don't you know he's going to be gone? And look what Elisha says. Elisha says, yes, I know. Yes. <laughs> Don't speak of it, don't speak of it. I don't want to hear it. Yes, I know he's going. Yes, I know God's going to take him, but i don't want to, I don't want to talk about it. you ever been there? you ever been there? Yes, they're leaving. Yes, I'm going. Yes, uh, I'm sending my family off you know we, we're gonna, this is a missions conference and 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 so many here, you know. And especially uh, some years ago, you know, yes, they're going to Brazil. Yes, they're going to Africa. Yes, they're going to the Philippines, Indonesia. Yes, they're going to China. Yes, uh, you know, it's a cost. It's a cost. Yes, they're going to Bolivia. But I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. ha And then it says... Then Elijah said to him, "Verse four, Elisha, stay here in Bethel. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. The Lord sent me to Jericho. I'm going to my next step. Jericho is, is just across. You know, the, is in the first city um, that Israel conquered when they came in the promised land. And they're, they're retracing their lips, uh, retracing their, their journey, their trip. And they come to Jericho. The Jordan River is over there, in the east." And Elijah says, Elisha, you've got to stay here. I'm going to cross the river. You stay here. I'm going. I'm going. God is taking me. And, and, and look at what Elisha says. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you, Elijah. No, I'm going with you. And they went to Jericho. The company of the prophets at Jericho Another school of prophets who God has spoken to went up to Elisha and they said to him again, Do you not know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Another helpful group of friends. Elisha, what are you doing here? Don't you know that, that God's going to take him? Elisha. Yes, I know. He replied, but Hakashu. Don't talk about it. I don't want to hear it. I do not want to hear it. Yes, I know. I've, I've walked this road with some of you here. I'm talking about people leaving and people coming. And and some of you have and some of you will I have to say goodbye to family. And it's hard. Some of you have to say goodbye to loved ones. And, and you knew it was coming. You knew it was coming. And and you really don't want to talk about it. You know, It's not really helpful for someone to say, Don't you know this is going to happen? Yes, I know. But do, we don't have to talk about it. As I read this, I was just so impacted with how real these people are. These are not stick figures. These are not two-dimensional people. These are human beings like me and like you who who love one another. They are bound to each other. They have hopes and dreams. Elisha wanted to learn more from Elijah. He wanted to travel more with him. He was not ready to take over anymore in Joshua. He was not ready for, for, for Elijah to go. He was not ready. And, and he loves him so much. He loves him so much. To, to think of his life without Elijah is for you to think of your life without some of the people that you love the most. That is not easy. And he said, I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to talk about it. Yes, I know. Of course I know. But we don't, we don't want to talk about it today. Not today. We'll talk about it some other, but not today. And finally, Elijah says to him in verse 6, Stay here. The Lord has sent me to Jordan. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. And fifty men of the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. This is where the story started in Israel, at the Jordan River. They are going backwards. Elijah is leaving the land. And they get to the Jordan River, and there's 50 prophets standing there, of the company of prophets. They went and stood there, and at least this time they didn't have to tell Elisha, "What are you doing? Don't you know?" They just, they all stood there. And when they crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, "Tell me, Elisha, I've asked you twice to to stay, and you keep. What can I do for you?" You know, this wasn't easy for Elijah either. It wasn't any easier for Elijah to say goodbye than it was for Elisha. He says, Elisha, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? We all know what's going to happen. But what, do you, what do you want? What can I do for you? And Elisha says, Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. Now, what is he asking here? You know, you might look at this and say, Wow, that's pretty bold. You know, is Elisha saying, I want to be twice as great as you? I want to be twice as powerful as you? I want to do twice the miracles you? No. What Elisha is doing in the context of their Jewish background is what we read about in Deuteronomy chapter 21 in verse 17 where we talk about the right of the firstborn son. And where God tells the father that you are to give to the firstborn son a double portion of the inheritance. I'm the secondborn son in my family. I have an older brother. So in this, in my case, my brother Richard would be the one who would receive the inheritance as the, as, of the he would be the one who would carry on the family business, he would be the one who would carry on the family property he would be the, he would be the next patriarch because the Bible and God says you give them a double portion to indicate the firstborn son and this is what Elisha is asking. he is asking Elijah for a double portion meaning I, I wish to be I, I am willing to step up I am willing to step up and to do god 's work and uh, I am willing to become the Elijah if that's what God wants. I mean, this, this, is not a, this is not a bold or arrogant, this is a very humble request, that this man is willing. You know what that meant to be a prophet like Elijah? That meant that just about everybody hated you. That meant that just about everybody in the king's family wanted to kill you. That meant that you were probably the most unpopular man in Israel, and you would be the rest of your life. And Elisha says, I'm willing to do that. I'm willing, you've taught me, you've invested in me, you've poured your life into me, I'm I'm willing to do that. I don't want to talk about you leaving, but I'm willing to do that. And Elijah says to him, you've asked a difficult thing. Elijah said, this is difficult. I'm not God. And I think he also means, Elisha, do you know what you're asking? Do you know what you're asking for? Do you know what you're asking for? But he says to him, Elijah says in verse 10, If you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, not. If God lets if God lets you see me be taken, then you get that double portion. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly, and here's trainer steps up to the keyboard, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire now see I don't know that anybody had told them how it was going to happen and they're standing there and all of a sudden this chariot comes from heaven it's flaming on fire and the horses that are leading it a team of horses are on fire boy that's a frightening picture I mean just the chariot of, of regular horses heading for me would be a frightening picture but this this horse these chariots and their nostrils blazing they're on fire and, the, and this thing swoops down and it separates them and somehow Elijah gets taken up and he went up to heaven, Shemayam in a whirlwind. And Elisha saw this and he cried out, I, 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 My father, my father. I didn't, you know, my fa- he didn't say my teacher, my mentor. He didn't say Mr. Prophet. He didn't say sir. He said dad. Avi, Avi. My father, my father. My father. This was his father now. And he says, my father, my father. The, and I don't, this next phrase is one of those ones, just sort of dumb. I don't know what to tell you really, what he meant by this. He says, my father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. It's like, it's gone. What do we do? Where do we go? When a man like Elijah, is is taken from us I can remember him, and there's been some really important men in my life and i and I remember when Wilson Fossey died uh, He was just a dear friend and, and mentor to me and a pastor's friend, and just it was a, he was a unique man he just it was unique I don't know what to tell you, and then the way he treated me and the the, the the fun we had together making hospital calls i mean you we came to visit you in the hospital, and when we left we you know we'd go out for coffee and we you know we said. I remember one time going up to the hospital in Everett and I got up the freeway, Marine View Drive, where, the, where you don't stop and, the, you know, it keeps on turning right and you keep on going. I was driving my 1974 Dart and the, the right passenger door had a little problem. It had a tendency to swing open sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and I went around that corner and my right door swung open and Wilson Fossey's going, whoa, like this. You know. And I grabbed Wilson. He goes, oh, so that's how you get rid of your parishioners, huh? <laughs> But he and I loved him and he was, he just was good to me um, and I remember when Wilson died. I remember thinking about this you know this this, what, this is how life felt. I remember my father-in-law died. I felt the same way I just that this is a man who was so who was just to me such a, a, a spiritual uh, a man who just who who loved his family so much and prayed now, who's going to pray for us now? who's going to pray for you guys now when grandpa's gone? who's going to pray like that? And, and, and this is how Elisha felt, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel, and he was gone. He saw them no more. He took hold of his clothes and he tore them in pieces. In verse 13, he picked up the cloak that had fallen from Elijah. He went back and he stood on the bank of the Jordan. It, it's where it all started. On the other side of that Jordan is where Moses was taken by God and God buried him somewhere. No one knows where it was because God buried him. God buried him. They came into the land. They've gone back. Elijah's gone. And Elisha stands there at the Jordan River. And he picks up Elijah's coat. Remember this is the coat that we talked about last week that when Elijah called Elisha, remember he came up and threw this coat on him? And Elisha was like, whoa, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And this was the coat. And he picked it up. And he stood on the bank of the Jordan. and He took that cloak that had fallen from him. And, and, you know, you're going to read ahead here. But if you weren't reading ahead, and this were a movie, and trainer was playing in the background, you know, and the special effects. And we see Elisha standing there with this cloak, ready to strike this Jordan River, and what if nothing happens? And all these prophets are watching him. And nothing happens. And he stood there at that Jordan River and he took that coat and he cries out. He took that cloak that had fallen from him. Verse 14, he struck the water and he cried out, Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? God, where are you? Where are you? Some of you have cried that out. He's gone. Chariots and horsemen, that you've taken him away. What, what now? What, where are you? And he struck the water and it divided to the right, to the left, and he crossed over that rock, Jordan River. There is not a person in that company of prophets. There's not a person in Israel that ever read this story that obviously, and I think most of you here, would not catch the significance of of this. Moses left Egypt and the water parted and they crossed the land. Moses, Joshua, brought the people into Egypt. He he came to the water and God parted the water when the priest stepped into it and they crossed to the promised land. And Elijah hits that water and the waters part. And clearly God is confirming the double portion. He is the he is the new Elijah. That's not going to be easy. He's a young man. This is is tough. He's lost his best friend. He's lost his father. And now he has to do it alone, by himself. But God goes with him. And you can read on the rest of the story. The company of the prophets from Jericho were watching. And they said, the spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. And they went to meet him, and they bowed to the ground before him, and they said, look, we're your servants. We have 50 able men. Let them go and look for Elijah. Perhaps the Spirit of the Lord has picked him up and set him down on some mountain or in some valley. Elisha says, no, don't go looking for him. And they say, no, we want to make sure. he's. We're going to go look for him. So Elisha says, okay, go look for him. And they go look for Elijah, and they can't find him, and they come back, and Elisha is the new Elijah. Now, a little shock for some of you. A little shock for some of you. There's an assumption that we have here from, we just there's sort of this assumption that Elijah was taken to heaven, like translated, like uh, resurrected, if you will, or changed and, and went into, into God's presence. Well, that's possible. But it doesn't exactly say that. Because, you see, the Hebrew word Shemayim is the word also for sky. And it's used in the Bible for like the birds in the sky. All it tells us is that Elijah was taken in this, this powerful scene and he was taken from Elisha and he was gone and he disappeared into the sky. know, you and I might relate to that today. When the airplane goes so far, you can't see it anymore. It's in the Hebrew word, it's in the heavens. Because what's kind of interesting is, you know, Kings and Chronicles kind of tell a lot of the same stories. But when you go to Second Chronicles chapter twenty-one, and you can you can look there, you can take my word for it if you like. Second <laughs> Chronicles chapter twenty-one, and in verse twelve, the only mention of Elijah in Chronicles, it's the only mention of him. But historically. This context really takes place after the stories we just read about in 2 Kings. This takes place later. And it has to do with the King Jehoram down in Judah. Elijah's been working up in the north in in Samaria. This takes place down in Judah... And King Jehoram receives a letter from Elijah the prophet, which said, This is what the Lord God of your father David says. You have not walked in the ways of your father Jehoshaphat. And all of a sudden in 2 Chronicles, we have Elijah, some years after this chariot event, sending a letter to King Jehoram. So I just want to give you this possibility. Now I know in the Schofield Reference Bible, mine says, Message of Elijah written before being taken up, pronouncing judgment on Jehoram. Well, there's really nothing in the context that suggests that. Uh, So what I want to suggest is possible, it is possible that, I don't have more time to go into it because it's time to quit, but it's possible God just took Elijah from Elisha and took him somewhere else. In Judah. And he may have either been in seclusion, he may have been worshipping, he may have been working, but all of a sudden he pops up in 2 Chronicles and writes a letter to the king and says, you're not walking in the way of your fathers and God's going to bring judgment on you. And that's it, that's all we hear. So it's possible that Elijah wasn't really taken to the heaven where God is, but he was taken into the sky and God did take him somewhere else. It's possible. Regardless of that. He was taken from Elisha. And I've said all that to say that. I, I would just like you to, to kind of inter, to just reflect a little bit on, on how real these Old Testament people are and how much like me they are. My life has been a, has been a series of, of goodbyes and hellos. My life has been a series of, of God opening doors, and then God closing a door. And the amazing thing is, when He when He closes one door, and then He opens another. Our, our our problem is, you know, we, we want to make sure that we know the roadmap ahead of time. We want to know where all those doors are. And I'm here to tell you, friends, uh, you don't even know you don't even know tomorrow. You can make your plans and do the best you can. And, and, and the Bible says that. But don't forget God. And I also want to remind you today, God, God closed the door on Elisha. It was tough. <laughs> Shoo, I don't want to talk about it. Don't talk about it. I don't want to hear it. I do not want to hear it. And God closed that door. And he was gone and he cried out, Where are you, God? Now, now what do we do? And God opened the door. He opened the door. And Elisha went through it. Our Lord Jesus Christ, fully God, but fully human, knew exactly what it was like to be a human. In the Gospel of Mark, when his cousin, when the one who was such an important part of his story, the new Elijah, John the Baptist, was brutally, brutally slaughtered by King Herod, brutally slaughtered. And it says that they came and they told, they told Jesus. And when they when they told Jesus what had happened, Jesus says, "Come on, you guys, we got to get away." And, and, they, and he says. Enough of the crowds. Enough of it. We need some time alone. He needed some time alone to, to process that that his that John the Baptist was gone, and also to process from his human perspective. He was fully human while fully God of what what was before him, and, and what that would mean to, to go to that cross and to, and to hang on that cross. And to die, to be brutally killed, to suffer punishment and pain beyond what we could imagine, but also to carry the sin of the world, and to stand there and look at his mother down below and say, "There's your, there's your new son." And to prepare his disciples, in the, in the Gospel of John, as, as he knew what they were, he knew what was going to happen, he knew how they were going to feel, and say, "Listen, guys, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Just remember this." I'm going to prepare a place for you. And, and if I go, I'm going to come back. And when they, when they, when they gathered, wherever they were, they scattered. But when they, when they came back, at least John was there. And they saw him on that cross of Calvary and their world crushed in. And they could not believe that the one that they had trusted in, the one they had loved so much, the one who had done so many good things was gone. And they were so convinced of it when the women came and said, hey, we've been to the tomb. It's empty. We get an angel. And they said, you're lying. You are lying. We're going to go see for ourselves. And when Paul told Timothy, as he was in prison, and he was toward the end of his life, he was still alive. He was still alive. And, and Timothy realizes that this is probably Paul's last letter. This is it. And... And and Paul tells Timothy, You, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things you've heard of me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Timothy, I'm going. I'm going. But you carry on. And when that news came that Paul had been executed by the Roman government, I wonder if Timothy, like Elisha, maybe cried out, The chariots and horsemen of Israel is gone. But God opened the door, and he went through it. And so this morning, friends, wherever you are in your walk with the Lord, wherever God is leading you, whatever is going on with your family, whatever you're thinking about, and, and maybe some of you are seeing some doors close. Maybe if you know it's going to be time to say goodbye for various reasons. Some of these beautiful young people here are going to be leaving your homes and heading off. Uh, some are going to be getting married. Some are going to head in the military. Some of you are, 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 are situations where somebody you love is going to be taken from you. You know that. Some of you, your jobs, your, you know, whatever, there's, there's a door that's closing. I, I just want you to know at least from what I see in the lives of these people in the Bible, there was never one of them that was left alone and God said, sorry, you're on your own. You take care of it. You take care of it. Where are you, God? I'm right here. It is well with your soul because we have a God who loves us so much. Amen? Amen. Amen.